Good evening, and uh, welcome to another episode of Worship with a Templar Knight. Uh, let's start out uh, with our call to worship. Hear God call you to worship through his word. I charge you in the presence of God, who gives life to all things, and of Christ, who is his testimony before Pontius Pilate, made the good confession to keep the commandment unstained and free from reproach until appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, which he will display at the proper time. He who is the blessed and only sovereign, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, who alone has immortality, who dwells in an approachable light whom no one has ever seen or can see. To him be honor and eternal dominion. Amen. With, with what shall we come before you, O Lord, or bow ourselves in your presence? O you most high God, cause us to come unto you in faith, mentioning no other name, pleading no other righteousness, and trusting in no other atonement, the name, righteousness, and the atonement of your blessed Son and adorable mediator, Jesus Christ. In him we desire to be found. Through him we hope for favor with you and acceptance in your sight. Blessed be your goodness for the mercies of the day, for the blessings of your providence, the comforts of your spirit, and the privileges we enjoy. Amen. Here's God's law and his will for your life. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on your doorpost of your house and on your gates. Let's confess our sins to God. <clears throat> O Lord, in whose hands and life and death, by whose power I am sustained, and by whose mercy I am spared, look down upon me with pity. Forgive me that I have until now so much neglected the duty which you have assigned to me, and, and suffered the days and the hours of which I must give account to pass away without any endeavor to, to, to accomplish your will. Make me to remember, O oh God, that every day is your gift and ought to be used according to your command. Grant me, therefore, so to repent of my negligence, and that may I obtain mercy from you, and pass the time which you shall start, which you shall yet allow me in diligent performance of your commands through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Please receive these words of comfort from God. The Lord, the Lord is a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgressions and sins. Let's confess what we believe about the Christian faith. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of, of all things visible and invisible. And in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of the Father before all worlds, God of God, 
light of light. Very God of very God, begotten, not made, being of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made, who for us men and our, for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit of the Virgin Mary and was made man and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried, and the third day he rose again according to the scriptures, and he ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of the Father, and he shall come again with glory to judge the living and the dead, whose kingdom shall have no end. And I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified, who spoke by the prophets. And I believe in the Holy Catholic and Apostolic Church. I acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins, and I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be world without end. Amen. We have a catechism lesson for today. How do you come to know your misery? That's the law of God tells me. Right to the point. What does God's law require of us? Christ teaches us uh, this in a, in a summary of Matthew. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. This is the greatest and first commandment. And the second one's just like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Can you, can you live up to this perfectly? Nope. Nope. I'm inclined by nature to hate God and my neighbor. I don't hate God personally, but that's what happens. <clears throat> as you listen to these words let God enlighten your heart and your mind blessed Lord you have caused all holy scriptures to be writ for our learning grant us that we may in such a way hear them, read them, mark them learn and inwardly digest them that by patience and comfort by your holy word, we may embrace and ever hold fast the blessed hope of your everlasting life, which you have given us in our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. You know, <clears throat> speaking of the Bible, the Bible is a wonderful book. It tells us to do uh, certain things and tells us how to do it then promises, promises uh, strength to help us in doing it. It tells us that men must die and face judgment of the holy and righteous God. In other words, prepare. Prepare is a, a great warning word of the holy scriptures. And the Bible tells us how to make that preparation, telling us all along the time is fleeting, that life is short and judgment is sure. If any man in America goes to hell, he will have no one to blame but himself. He can't say, I didn't know how to be saved. The Bible plainly 
explains the way to salvation so simply that a child can understand it. Listen to these scriptures. Acts chapter 16, verse 31. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Believe. In John chapter 1, verse 12. As many as received him and, and to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that shall believe on his name. Notice the key words here, believe. Isaiah chapter 45, 22. Look unto me, and ye shall be saved. All the ends of the earth. <clears throat> Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. Come unto me, all ye that labor and have heavy laden, and I will give you rest. John chapter 6, verse 37. Him that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. And look at, look at some other texts. For who... For whoso, who's, who, whoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. All through the Bible, we see that we are saved by turning away from sin and repentance and turning to God through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Some people may say, no, that's just too simple, that God requires more. They say that we must weep and work and go through this uh, form that, uh, or a, a ritual. No, not really. God says what he means, and he means what he says. Three times you will find uh, in text in the, in the word of God. He really means that to anyone, whoever or whatever he may be, can be saved by coming to Jesus Christ. <clears throat> it's a salvation from the guilt of sin. Romans chapter 3, uh, verse 23, tells us that all have sinned and, and come short of the glory of God. We are all guilty, and there's not one on earth who does not, uh, who does good and does not sin. The good man sins, and the bad man sins. The rich man sins, the poor man sins. The educated man sins, the ignorant man sins. Their sins may be in different degrees, but they uh, they have all sinned. The poor prostitute on the street is a sinner, but so is a high society woman on. Uh, <clears throat> but so is a high society woman. The thief and the murderer are sinners, but so is the moral man who occupies the highest position in the community. Sinners all in God's sight. We're not perfect. Um, a, a, a woman went to a doctor to get some x-rays and uh, she declared she had no money and couldn't pay. So the doctor agreed to take the x-rays without charge. But when he turned the x-ray machine on, he saw $100 sitting there in gold. And it was in her blouse. God sees like that. He looks deep into our hearts to see the sin that is there. A man who commits a crime may be declared innocent and freed by a jury but the guilt still rests on his soul. But God's grace is, is greater than all our sins. And when we, we come to him, he not only forgives us, but he justifies us, making us as if uh, we had never sinned. Romans chapter 8, verse 1 says, um, There is therefore 
Now, no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. It's a salvation from the power of sin. <clears throat> Sinners are slaves. Some to drink, some to profanity, some to dishonesty, some to immorality, uh, immorality, and some to their uh, own selfish ego and self-righteousness. But in this salvation, Jesus gives us an overcoming power. In 1865, January 1st of 1865, Abraham Lincoln freed three million slaves. He was the president of this country. And he had the power to do that. But there is only one who can strike off the shackles of sin, and that's Jesus. John chapter 8, verse 36. If the Son, therefore, shall make you free, ye shall be free indeed. Go to a, the, the sheriff in this uh, particular town. Uh, he was uh, awakened one night by a call from a, a, a carnival owner. <clears throat> Two pair of his employees has been experimenting with a pair of handcuffs, and one of them uh, had become shackled and, and, and cuffed and, and could not get the handcuffs off. So he called the sheriff to free the man. But when the men uh, are shackled by sin, they need to come to Christ. Who alone can free them from the power of sin? It's a salvation from the penalty of sin. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Romans chapter 6, verse 23. What's the penalty of sin? It's an awful, it's an awful thing as we find it in Revelations uh, chapter 21, verse 8. But the fearful. And the unbelieving and the abominable and the murderers and whoremongers and the sorcerers and the idlers and, the, and the, all the liars shall have their part in the lake uh, which burneth the fire and brimstone, which is the second death. This is the fate of the sinner, the unbeliever. How can he be saved from this fate? Again, let the book speak. Let the Bible speak. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. about that one uh, one night in this uh, uh, old Russian uh, sat down at a table and listed all his debts on a piece of paper after he had added up all the debts he wrote under the war under them uh, the words who will pay for all of this being exhausted he leaned over to the table and went to sleep later on someone came by and picked up that list and read it then beneath the list of debts, he wrote these words. I, the czar of Russia, will pay for this. You can imagine how happy the soldier was when he woke up and came to realize that all of his debts would be cleared by, uh, by his uh, czar. Let the sinner add up all the debts of a lifetime and ask the same question. Who will pay for all these transgressions? And the answer comes back from the cross. I, Jesus, the Son of God, have already paid for them with my blood. Then a sinner can rejoice and be saved from the awful penalty of sin, of his own sin. 
It is salvation to liberty, to sonship, to the inheritance, to the incorruptible. When we call on him, he sets us free. He adopts us into God's family. He promises us all the joys of time and eternity. All right? Salvation is, is definitely secured through Jesus Christ. We secure the salvation by calling on his name. Now, this applies a, a lot of things, a lot of different things, a lot of several several different things. This, this call implies uh, a realization of our need of salvation. Right? But we say to certain persons, who, who does not know Christ as a pers personal Savior? First off, uh, you must realize that you're a sinner. Right? And under the curse of the law. As as such, you can never enter heaven, but are forever lost. And there's nothing left for you except eternal loss and death. But they reply, no, that's not so. I'm as good as you are. As long as one has that attitude, he'll never be saved. If you don't think that uh, you are hopelessly lost, you'll never be graciously saved. Um, Cornelius. Let's talk about Cornelius for a minute. Cornelius was a wonderful man in the eyes of the world. He prayed daily. He lived a good life. He gave generously to the poor. But there came a time when he realized that his goodness could not save him. So he sent for Simon Peter to come and tell him about the Savior, about God, about Jesus Christ. He had uh, to realize that he was lost before he could be saved. So must every lost person. This call uh, implies to a willingness to give up sin. Um, I remember a, a, a man uh, a while back uh, came to me and told me that he made a, a profession of faith in a, in a uh, camp there he was at. I urged him, uh, go ahead and follow Christ in the baptism of a church. And a church membership. He said, no, no, not now. And then later on, I asked a member of his family, where's this man at? Where, what happened to him? I haven't heard from him. And the answer came back, he, was, he has been a drunk for several, several days. He made some sort of profession, but he had not been willing to give up his sin. So he became a, an alcoholic, thinking that was going to be uh, his way. Um, this call implies... Uh, Sincere desire for salvation. Men want to be saved from hell, but they don't want to hold on to their sins. But they want to hold on to their sins, I should say. Yet it is a sin that damns them forever. But when a man calls on the Lord in the way expressed in, our, in what we're talking about, it means that he wants to be saved at any cost. The psalmist said, blessed are they that seek him with the whole heart. Psalms chapter 119, verse 2. Jesus said, blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Matthew chapter 5, verse 6. He never turns a hungry soul away from his table of salvation and blessings. Never. That call implies, to, implies us also to trust only in Christ. Salvation comes not from reformation or good works or a good life. 
but from a sincere looking up to God through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. To tell a man that sincere, uh, that since he's a good man, he doesn't have to worry about salvation or death or judgment is to do him a, a great disservice. It's wrong. To tell him to cast aside all of his self-righteousness and trust the Lord to save him, now that, that does him a great service. That helps him out. And we should be doing that to our brothers and sisters, saying, you know, you got to do this. Uh, salvation inclusive. Um, the text is so inclusive in the Bible that it covers every race, every tongue. Simply means that anyone who calls on the Lord will be saved, be good or bad, rich or poor, ignorant or educated. I don't know if you ever remember this guy. His name was Richard Baxter. He said, I'm glad that the Lord said whoever, whosoever, instead of Richard Baxter for, uh, there may be other Richard Baxters in the world, but when he said, whosoever I know, I am included. We live in a day of exclusiveness. Think about that. There are clubs that are open only to certain people. There are residential sections where only those houses are allowed to be built which involve a certain money standard. And we see that. Everybody sees that in the United States anyway. I'm not sure how it is in other countries. There are cemeteries where only members of a particular group can be buried. But Jesus throws the door in heaven wide open and says, Let everyone come, come to me and come in, who repents of his sin and places his trust in me. A good man says, uh, Don't class me as a sinner. I live a good life. Try to, I try to be nice to everyone and I give to many worthy causes. He's not only a sinner, he's a lost sinner. If he has never been born again through faith in Christ, you're lost, you've been a lost sinner. Once uh, we were conducting a meeting, a Bible study meeting, and uh, and uh, they were talking about repentance and, and, and preaching and, and faith and and this woman said to him, I, I don't need that. I'm not a sinner. He asked her if she had ever trusted Jesus Christ uh, uh, as the leader. He says, have you ever trusted Jesus Christ as her Savior, the Son of God who died for her? When she replied that she had never done so, he told her that she had committed the greatest sin of all by rejecting the one who loved her and gave himself for her on a cruel cross. She soon saw the point and came uh, weeping and came weeping back and, and to the Savior's feet and came back to the Lord. She was lost there for a little bit. The evil man says, uh, I'm too great a sinner. Well, he's just the one God delights to save. The skeptic will say, I don't believe certain things, but if he will call on the Lord God and reveal himself to him and, and save him. Uh, do you ever, if anybody remembers Moody, there was Dwight D. Moody. He, uh, I, I'd like to become a Christian. Somebody asked him, um, and once said to him, I, I'd like to become a Christian, but there are certain questions about uh, Christianity I cannot answer. And Moody, uh, Mr. Moody said, uh, kneel down here and, and tell Christ from your heart 
that you will take him as your Savior and will take up the matter of your questions in the morning. The young man accepted Christ that night. And when he came back to Mr. Moody the, the next morning, he said, Every question has now been answered, and the Lord has wondrously saved me. One man uh, said, I'd like to become a Christian, but I have committed an unpardonable sin, and there is no hope for me. That man is on the good ground and ready to be, be there for salvation if he will call on the Lord. For if a person has concerns for his soul's salvation, you can be sure that he is not guilty of committing an unpardonable sin. Some other man says, I can't hold out. God doesn't ask you to hold out. You can't do it anyway. Your fingers are too short and your arms are too weak. He just asks you to trust him. And then he'll hold you forever. He always finishes what he begins. Uh, listen to Philippians uh, chapter 1, verse 6. Being confident of this uh, very thing that... Uh, he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. And Hebrews chapter 7, verse 25 says, He is, he is able also to save them in the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. He who saves you, saves you forever. Again, I say, he does the holding. Let's go up to heaven for a few minutes and interview several people up there. Uh, let's go down the Golden Street. Oh, here's Moses, the greatest man in the Old Testament. Moses, uh, we say, God saved you. Did you hold out? And he says, no, I sinned. I disobeyed God. And he would not let me enter the promised land with the people that I had led for 40 years. But he held on to me in spite of my sin and brought me home to a greater promised land than Canaan. Next, uh, we're going to go visit David. Then we say to David, you were saved. Did you hold out? And David says, no, I, I sinned grievously. But God held on to me after my awful sin and, and brought me safely to heaven. Then we see Paul, and we say to him, Paul, God saved you out there on the Damascus Road. Did you hold out? And Paul, uh, before his uh, conversion, had been a, a chief of sinners. and says, uh, no. There was warfare always in my soul. God and evil uh, were always contending for supremacy in my life. If it had been left to me to overcome those things uh, that beset me, I would have been defeated. But all the time, the one who took hold of me on the Damascus Road was still holding me. So when my head rolled off at the Roman block, he brought my soul right up here to heaven. I can imagine that sin when Peter preached Christ on the day of Pentecost. In his audience, there was uh, were some uh, uh, who, in the audience, there were some who had helped to crucify Lord Jesus Christ. One man comes up to him and says, "Peter, I laid the stripes, I laid the straps on on Jesus Christ's back. Is there any hope for me?" What's Peter reply? Yeah. Just call on the name of the Lord and you'll be saved. Another one comes up and says, I pressed down on the, corner, the, on the crown of thorns on his head. Is there any hope for me? And Peter gives the same answer. Yeah, just call on the name of the Lord and he will save you. And others come and confess their sins. I drove the nails into his hands, says one. Another one says, I lifted the cross 
on which he died. Another one says, I gambled for his garments as he bled his life away. Another one says, I thrust a spear deep into his side. He was dead. And Peter says to each one of them, yes, we are all sinners. We are all responsible for his death. We are all responsible for his death. When we repent of our sins, when we have a sincere desire to be saved, and we, when in faith we call on him for salvation, he will hear our cry and save us with the salvation that never ends. If you have never called on the Lord in this way, why not do it today? He's a loving Savior. He is plenteous in mercy and grace. He is waiting to save you. All is well. All is well. Call on the name of your Lord Jesus Christ, and he will save you from sin. Let's make our request to God and pray. Almighty God, Heavenly Father, because we are so weak in ourselves that we cannot stand for even a, for a moment, and moreover our sworn enemies, the devil, the world, and then our own flesh, do not cease to attack us, will you therefore keep, keep and strengthen us by the power of your Holy Spirit so that we may firmly resist them and not go down to defeat in this spiritual war? but remain persistent until we finally obtain the complete victory and reign together with your Son, our Lord, and Protector, Jesus Christ, in your kingdom forever. Amen. Let's further petition our Lord Jesus Christ in your own personal prayers. In closing, let's pray the words that Jesus taught us to pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Thank you for uh, joining me here in this small worship uh, with the Templar. Um, if you care to have prayers said, please, you can visit our website, 
at www.americanknightstemplars.com. Again, that's www.americanknightstemplars.com. Or you can email me directly at davidr258 at comcast.net. You know, the United States is, is under a lot of illegals coming across. But, you know, there's got to be some true refugees or asylum seekers and all of that. Um, let's, let's bow our head in prairie for the woes that are truly seeking asylum. Lord God, you call your people to care for people from other countries in our community. We pray for those who have had to leave their homes, families, and countries. We pray for those who seek asylum and in this country, that they will be kept safe, have their basic needs met, and be treated fairly. Lord God, you know the feelings of powerlessness, frustration, and bewilderment, the sense that their life is in limbo at that moment. May decisions on their future not be delayed unduly. We pray for those who have been granted permanent visas, that they will settle down in their own communities, in our own community, and find work and make good friendship, that they will discover your plan for their lives. May they now hope, may they know hope and courage as they face the future. Amen. Again. If you care to become a Templar Knight, please uh, visit our website at www.americanknightstemplars.com. A lot of stuff there. Have a great evening, and may God bless, and happy Mother's Day to all the mothers. <laughs>